Let's reflect a little bit on the word of God. What makes Christmas so glorious and how fitting uh, with that song that we were just singing. What makes Christmas so glorious? Oh, you will say, is it glorious? I don't know about you, but for me, Christmas is glorious. But when we say that Christmas is glorious, what do we mean? When we even use that word glorious, what do we mean? Well, the word glory comes from the Greek word doxa, whose verb glorify is doxazo. Uh, when those words are used, they are used to speak of several things, not just one. So when someone says glorious or someone says glory, he could be referring to all the things I would like to talk about. When those two words are used, they can be speaking of a condition of bright or shining, being radiant. Dazzling. It can be talking of beauty and magnificence. Whenever that word is being used. But it can also refer to a state of great splendor. Something that has greatness. Something that has distinction. Something that has firm. Something that has recognition. So they can be even the glory of the... Well, soccer tournament 2020, the distinction that comes with it can actually use the same word. The same word can be used to describe the experience of absolute happiness, gratification, contentment, if you like, honor, or very great praise. The word glory or glorious can be referring to distinguished ornament, an object of pride, an object of prestige, an object of ad admiration, if you like, an object of prosperity. But it also speaks of the bliss of heaven. You're already tired just of the definition. Yeah, I thought they were here. Children. Can I get a signal the children are going? Huh? They are not. They are not going. Okay. So, back to doxa. Back to do doxology. Doxas. Doxazo. Glory, glorious. It can talk about enhancement or recognition of status or performance. It can talk of renown. It can talk of honor. All of these words, you put them together and you then say, when we say Christmas is, is a glorious story, we mean that Christ's first coming is beautifully magnificent. It is full of honor. 
It is full of praise, of joy, of contentment. It is distinctively famous and worthy of recognition. You can use all the superlatives that have been used to describe the first coming of Jesus Christ to be born. Worthy of recognition. We can appreciate now the glory of Christmas when we understand. Yes, it's good to understand the person of Jesus Christ, but when we understand why he came, why he came, that's when we can then say it is beautifully magnificent. It is full of honor, full of praise, full of joy, full of contentment, full of firm. It is worthy recognition. And no other scripture puts it accurately than Luke chapter 19 verse 10. And we will reflect on that verse alone this morning. For the son of man came to seek and save what was lost. For the son of man came to seek and save what was lost. I would like to break that verse into three parts. You can break it into many parts, but I would like to break it into three parts. But I, that verse alone is the most sublime statement on the mission of Jesus Christ. Notice that in this verse we see the most glorious historical event. The most glorious historical event is what makes Christmas glorious. And then the most significant spiritual mission is what makes Christmas so glorious. And finally, the most perfect or accurate description of the condition of man is what makes Christmas glorious. You can neatly break those two. The historical event, the son of man came. Yes. The significant spiritual mission that he came for to seek and save. But the perfect description of the condition of man, what was lost? What was lost? Wow, 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 wow. I don't know if that is not glorious already. Let's reflect on the three. Theologians call this the incarnation when they describe God coming in human flesh, when Jesus came to the earth, the Bible calls him Emmanuel because it's God who came to be with us. In other words, the Almighty entered our world. In other words, the infinite has become finite. In other words, the eternal invaded time. That's a historical event. Many historians, including the Jewish historian Josephus, has confirmed the historicity of the coming down of the Son of God. Jesus is not a figmentation of our imagination. He came in real time history. 
His birth, however, differs from all other births because he voluntarily came in obedience to the Father's will. That could not be said of you and me. I like this one. That cannot be said of you and me. We were born, but we had no choice in the matter. <laughs> we just find ourselves in there. Who had a choice? Okay. But Jesus came according to the plan of God. This is why Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 reminds us. When the fullness of time had come, but when time had fully come, God sent forth his son. In other words, every detail of his coming was minutely planned in the courts of heaven. Nothing was just left to happen by chance. But that historical event is amazing because he came from light to darkness. Last week, he came to bring life into darkness, to bring, to bring life into deadness, to bring light into darkness. Huh? He came from splendor to squalor. He came from purity to the world of sin. That historical event is in itself glorious. And not just any man has come. He is the son of man has come. It was not an angel or some sort of extraterrestrial being who came. No, no. The term son of man emphasizes the fact of Jesus' humanity. God himself entered the human race in the form of that tiny baby. He is the son of man because he was first the son of God. So we were reading in John 1 verse 14, and the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. He lived. He took his dwelling among us. God has come down to us in the person of Jesus Christ. Now we know what God is like. For God, the son of man, has made him plain to us. That's what John 1 verse 18 was saying to us when we had that read for us. No one has seen God at any time, but the one from the bosom of the Father has made him known. So, talking about that most glorious historical event, but we also have the most significant spiritual mission. Why did he come? The Son of Man came to seek and save. To seek and save. Jesus came looking for something. Or rather, I should say, he came looking for someone. According to our context, Jesus, the context of Luke chapter 19. In that story, you have the story of the woman who loses a coin. You have the story of the the shepherd who loses one sheep, and you also have the story of a father who lo loses a son. So according to that context, Jesus is like that woman who lost the coin and searched her house until he has found it. He is like the man who lost the sheep and went all out into the wilderness to find that 
sheep. And he is like the father who is eagerly waiting for the prodigal son to come back. And when the son comes, he receives him. He came to seek and serve what was lost. He came seeking sinners up the tree at midnight and by Jacob's well. He went everywhere seeking for sinners. He came seeking for those caught in adultery. He came seeking out for blind beggars, lepers, and even wild men living in the tombs. This man who was scratching himself. He even came seeking self-righteous Pharisees who thought they didn't need him. He came seeking the fishermen. He came seeking for the politicians, for the radicals, for the physicians, for the tax collectors, for the rich men at the top of the heap, and for the poor folk no one else would touch. He came seeking for someone. He sought the prostitutes and the drunkards. Yes, and they loved him for it. And when he was dying, he came seeking even for one who was hanging on the cross beside him. The son of man came to seek and save what was lost. Jesus came as the seeking savior. We will never understand him clearly unless we see that he came as a seeking savior. So the most glorious historical event and the most significant spiritual mission that he came for. But finally, the most perfect or accurate description of the condition of man. We don't like that description, but that is the most accurate and perfect description of who we are as human beings. What was lost, the Bible says. <laughs> what was lost. Mankind is lost without God. Search for the pages of the Bible from cover to cover. Read everything from Adam's greatest sin in Genesis, in the Garden of Eden, to the final great battle even in the book of Revelation. Then pick up the morning newspaper and see if you don't agree with Jesus that he came to seek what was lost. You don't need to hear what is happening in the Southern Americans. You do not need to even hear what is happening in Eastern Europe with Russia and Ukraine. You do not need to understand what is happening in China and other places. Look around in your neighborhood. Your neighborhood tells us that man is sick. He came to seek and save the sick human being. Just to go into our streets. He came to seek and save the lost. We are lost. It's, it's even sad. And it's not something to, it's hard to talk about it. 
cases of suicide are on the increase. Cases of child molestation are on the increase. Cases of divorce are on the increase. What explanation do we have for it? Man is lost. And he came to seek what was lost. Fraud. The other day I was listening to the radio program and these uh, radio presenters were refusing to be painted with the, with the same brush that says everyone is stealing from his workplace. And he says, no, 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 I'm not. Ah, ah, they were arguing. That's the mindset in, in the whole world. In, uh, the God can only feed from around where it is tied. If it is tied to a tree, it must graze there. But that is the argument that people use to steal from the companies from wherever they are and say it is okay. We are sick. We are sick. Isaiah 53 verse 6 reminds us that we have all strayed like sheep. Each one of us has tended to his own ways. And by the very nature, we all go on our own way. No one has to teach us to run away from God. From the time a child is born, it is already running away from God and parents and rules. When they become bigger and strong and say, now I now know my rights, I now know what I want, they run faster. Away from God. We were born running. We all wanted to do our own thing. We all go our own way. We were lost until Jesus found us. Sometimes we encourage sinners to come to Christ which is entirely biblical. Yes, come to the Lord. But if Jesus did not come to us first, we would never come to him at all. We would never come to him at all. He came to seek and save what was lost. Lost without God, lost without hope, lost in a tangle web of sin. Lost and trapped forever. What then is our hope if we are so hopelessly lost? We find the answer in the words of Jesus who came to seek and save what was lost. Are you feeling lost? You are the one to whom he came for. He did not come as a tourist or as a casual visitor. He did not even come as an educator or even as an itinerant philosopher. Jesus came as a savior seeking to save the lost. Amen. So what does that mean for you and me? On this Christmas day, the question was, what makes Christmas so glorious? Well, the glorious historical event, the most significant spiritual mission, and the most accurate description of the condition of man 
is what makes Christmas so glorious. But there are implications. The implications are, number one, because Christ came, man's responsibility is increased. Your responsibility is increased. In the spiritual realm, the greater the privilege, the greater the responsibility. If Christ did come, then our responsibility is increased. If he had not come, we would stand before God excused and say, but I, there is no savior. The savior has come. If you will not turn to the Lord and go to hell, you are responsible. Hello? Mm. To whom much is given from him, much will be required. Jesus has come to the earth and he has made God's plan very plain. He left heaven to make his home among us. Why? To reveal God to us. To show us the true nature of the Father. And he even says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In him we see God's love. In him we see God's mercy. In him we see God's kindness. God's justice and God's holiness. He came to us full of grace and truth. And what did we do to him? Ah, we ignored him. This is the condemnation. Men loved darkness rather than light. Implication number two. Implication number one, because Christ came, man's responsibility is increased. Implication number two, because Christ came to save the sinner is without excuse. Because Christ came to save, the sinner is without any excuse. What excuse would you give that would satisfy God? How would you explain your rejection of Jesus Christ? What sufficient reason would you give for saying no to God's own son? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What sinners need is salvation, not reformation. Sinners need forgiveness, not lectures on morality. Sinners need a new life, not a new leaf. Uh-uh. What sinner need? Jesus came to provide. He is the forgiver. He is the savior. He is the transformer. Oh, I'm going to turn a new leaf in the coming year. He wants you to turn your life over to Jesus. So because Jesus came to save sinners, you have no excuse. Third implication, because Jesus came to save what was lost or the lost, the west may be saved. A, that one you, which you think is beyond God's reach may be saved. Even perhaps yourself, you say, eh, no pones one The west may be saved. 
That's what he came to do. I'd like to end with this graphic illustration. Please picture it. Let's give him a name, Tawanda. His name is Tawanda. Wild hair. Wore a t-shirt with holes in it. Ripped jeans and shoes with no socks. This is his wardrobe during the four years of college. Although the guy is mildly eccentric, he's actually a brilliant person. Then he became a Christian while attending college. Across from the campus, there is a traditional church. And the traditional church has always wanted to develop a ministry to the students. But they were not sure how to go about it. One day, we called him what? Tawanda. He decided to go and worship with this group of people. He walked in with his wild hair, t-shirt with holes, ripped jeans, shoes with no socks. The service has already started. Tawanda started down the aisle looking for a seat, but the church was already full. The stewards are not showing him where to sit. But by now, the people are a bit uncomfortable but no one said anything. Tawanda got closer and closer to the front when he realizes that there are no seats at all. Then he just sat right in front on the floor. Although perfectly acceptable behavior at a college fellowship, this had never happened in this church. By now, the people are really uptight and the tension can be felt in the air is getting thicker. And then a deacon slowly made his way toward Tawanda. This deacon is way advanced, perhaps in his 80s, but a distinguished man with silver gray hair and a three-piece suit. He walks down with the help of his cane. Everyone thought, yeah, you can't blame him for what he is going to do to that man. How could you expect a man of this age and background to understand some college kid thinking he can worship sitting down on the floor? It took time for the elderly man to reach the boy. The church became utterly silent, except the clicking of the man's cane on the floor. All eyes are now focused on him. When the elderly deacon got next to the boy, he dropped his cane to the floor. With great difficulty, he lowered himself and asked Tawanda, may I sit with you? The man sat down next to Tawanda and worshipped with him so that Tawanda could not be alone. That's what the birth of Jesus means. Radical action 
He, de he descended from heaven to come and sit down with us where we are in our lostness, in our wretched condition, so we cannot be alone. Radical action, radical behavior, radical gospel, radical savior, radical God. He is such a radical God whom we serve. This is the story of the gospel, that no matter how bad your sins may be, you can be saved right now today. Your past does not determine your future. When Jesus enters the picture, if you qualify as lost, then you are an excellent candidate for salvation. If you are a sinner, Christ came seeking for you. This is why Christmas is so glorious. And I invite sinners to invite him. To take him and worship. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the glory of Christmas. The glory of your coming. Because, yes, while it is the most glorious historic event that God became a man, there is the most significant mission. You came to seek and save the lost. But also, Lord, with the most accurate description of who we are, that is why God had to come. And perhaps like that older man, with great difficulty to lower yourself and taking the form of a servant and appearing in a human form, you came to us. We worship you. Save the sinner today. Since the responsibility has been increased, we are with no excuse. But also the worst sinner, Lord, can be saved. Thank you, thank you, thank you. In the wonderful and matchless name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen.